Okay, good morning, everyone. Yeah, we're going over, the messages we've been going over is how to hear God's plan for your life and to follow it and that he has a plan. And um, so we've been going through a series of that and we're going to continue with that. So I'm going to give you a few scriptures first to uh, catch you guys up in case you weren't here before. So let's start with Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So as we were watching the videos of that, that man from Israel, and uh, what he's saying about that is that the plan is prepared for us, but we still have to choose to step into that plan. Because he gave us free choice, like we have to choose him. And so we need to do that. We'll explain more as we go along. But the second scripture I want to start with, 2 Timothy 1.9. And it says, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling? Okay, he saved us, but he's also called us with a holy calling not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. Now, okay, that's not what we do, but what we do according to his purposes, okay? Not according to our own works, but according to his own purposes, his plan for our lives, and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. So he has that purpose for us before time began. And we had talked about that again, about when, you know, the, the controversy in our little three-dimensional minds, because remember, God's way above that. He's outside of time and space. Even our little three-dimensional scientists now, they're saying might be innumerable dimensions. Some say 26, 33, you know, all of these things, because he's way outside of that. But we, all, we think that these things can't fit together. And so we sometimes argue about all these things. Like you're predestined, predetermined, or you have free choice. And I can say, yeah, both. And not only because he knows the beginning and the end because he's outside of time and space, but we choose within that, that Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, but yet there was a certain time in time and space that it actually happened. And that, again, predestined, predestination, if you look up the words in the, the um, Greek, the Hebrew, and in the dictionary, you'll find out it doesn't mean like you are on a path you can't swerve from. It means that it was pre-planned for you. And like I said, it's pre-planned. When Ron's friends came the other time, they're on a round-the-world cruise. It was predetermined where their ports of call would be all ahead of time. But can that change? Yeah, that can all change. So it all fits together. <clears throat> the Bible is not contradictory. Yeah, it all fits, fits together very well. And so, but as we follow his plan for us, it's unique for you. He made everybody their own plan unique. And like the guy, we're gonna watch another part of his video. You know, he's, he was from Japan, ministering there. He married a Jewess. 
and now he's a citizen of Israel with a ministry, Messianic Jewish ministry, and international written four books, and as he just followed this path, what a great adventure. It's a great adventure as we do things. We never know where, where we're going to end up. He knows the plans. We don't know the plans. He knows it. But as we follow, we'll see what a great adventure he has for us. So we'll play that uh, another portion of his as we go on this series. So you see how essential this is to real discipleship? And this is what it means that the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists are for the equipping of the saints for their work of service. Okay, why do you have gifted ministers? Okay, gifted ministers ha have gifts from the Holy Spirit to discern and to help you and to say, you know what, I think you should talk to the Lord about this. Okay, or I see this emerging in your life and I want to encourage you uh, to go down this path. All right. Or, you know, these you've got to get rid of some of these bad habits because they're going to hinder the use of your gift. OK, and I'm I'm pastorally, I'm going to stand with you and and counsel you and pray for you and be your support until you get until you get free of some of these bad habits. OK, that's that's the church. OK, that's that's why you have pastors, teachers, prophets, evangelists and apostles. OK, that's that's our job to equip you for the work of your service. Okay, but it's your job, okay, to get the plan and to start doing the plan. All right, and this is how the kingdom comes to earth because now we get the 90% or more of the people in the kingdom going out and doing their stuff for the Lord, you see. And if God is with you, who's going to be against you? He moves mountains for you. You say, This is I this is my calling, this is my gifting. This is what God told me to do. Well, this mountain is going to have to move. And God says, yeah, I agree with you. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm moving it for you. You're, okay? And, and I want you to go through. And, and we start, the, the saints start doing exploits in their jobs, in their families, in their callings. That's how the kingdom comes. The kingdom comes through the 90%. The anointing. Every, every gifted child of God who uses his or her gift for the glory of God becomes a candidate for the anointing. And I think when God sees us dedicated to our callings and, and, and walking in our, in our gifting, it so pleases him, occasionally he just reaches out, bang, he'll do, he'll do, a, he'll do a miracle. Are you, all right. Let's say you're you're a singer and you sing dutifully in the in the worship team. Every week you show up, you sing. God fills you with joy. And you do it. You know, even when you're not feeling that well, or you know, and even when you don't feel inspired, you're you're there because you promised God, and you know that's what He's called you to do. And then uh, six months uh, after uh, a particular service, someone comes up and he says, "I don't know what it was about you, but there was something in your voice. I don't know. It just really touched my heart." And you know what? God healed me during that service. God God reached into my life and did something miraculous, and I'm a different person. Thank you. And you go. You don't even remember that service, right? You may not even remember the song you sang. You don't remember that incident, but that person did because God took advantage of your obedience, your gift to do a miracle. Okay, that's the anointing. You can't have someone else's anointing. I know that there are 
ministers who who say that they can give you their anointing and i've stood in those prayer lines also okay i have the handprints on my forehead to prove uh but frankly speaking it never worked for me i never got anyone else's anointing but you have to get your own you use your gift god anoints your gift all right now this is important because the anointing that god puts on your gift causes the influence of your life to increase your life starts to influence people starting with the people who are closest to you your family your friends the people you work with okay the unbelievers that you're with every day you begin to influence you your life begins to have impact on them okay it's not just a matter of reading them the four spiritual laws okay although that can help sometimes if it's in, in an appropriate god god led way okay but even without that your life begins to have influence because they see the anointing on your life they see god open doors for you they see you do things that other people can't do because god is with you god is making a, a way for you that's important because that's your reward that's your reward that's your fruit that produces the fruit of your life that's the fruit that will remain nothing else remains you don't take anything else out of this life what remains is the influence of your life on other people you know that at the end of our lives we all will stand before again before the king who created us and will give an account in, in my humble opinion god is is likely to ask when we stand before him and and remember we all want to hear him say eventually the same words right no matter what he called us to do no matter what we were chosen and gifted for we all want him to say well done good and faithful servant enter into the joy of your master right and we've all memorized that 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 scripture well done okay so what is he likely likely to ask well here's what here's what i think he's going to ask about the plan that he had for you before you were born and the dream that was in his heart that he had for you before he brought you into this world i mean think about it from god's point of view why would he ask you about anything else and and how could he hold you responsible for for what he didn't design you to do so i think when we stand before god and our lives are over he's simply going to say okay tell me about the plan i had for your life tell me about the design that i put into making you you and on that day you want to be able to say hey lord i got it and to the best of my ability i did it and here's the fruit you see if you want him to say well done i think it's a good idea to have done something by then all right you want to show him what you did okay and so so that's why i i think you know i'm speaking to you as mature believers this is really important and this is the this is the path of discipleship this is what discipleship is really about it's getting to the the, the smile on his face and the well done getting everybody to that place that's 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 our call equip them equip them prepare them so that 
when everybody gets to the finish line, God is there with a smile. That's what we want. Okay, and, and this can answer your question. The question that came in, you know, can can I can I miss God's calling uh, for my life? And I think the answer is yes. You can forfeit God's plan for your life. In fact, Paul writes about that. I think to the Corinthians, he talks about some people who will, who will be like will be plucked out of the fire that they'll be saved, but their works will be burned up. Because there's a difference between good works and dead works. Let me read you this final scripture, and then we'll 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 close with this. I'm going to read you from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Uh, here, you know, Paul writes to us about being saved. We find our entrance into God's kingdom by the grace of God. It's not because we're because we're good enough. We don't work our way into the kingdom. Okay. But once we're in the kingdom, God has things specifically set aside for us to do. All right. You're not saved by 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 uh, just by what you do. Okay, we, we have to have faith. Without faith, no one gets to see God. Okay, we have to believe in him. Believing opens the door. But here's what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God has prepared all of us. And so what's the difference between good works and dead works in your life? Good works are the things that he told you to do that are a part of his plan. Dead works are everything else. Okay, God is not going to say to me, Peter, why, why didn't you play better football and, and get into the World Cup? What, what was the matter with you? Okay, He's, I, I, because I would say, well, if you'd gifted me <laughs> and called me, I would have done that. For you, Lord, but I guess you didn't. All right. There's things you're just not supposed to do in life. But there will be people who who spend their lives doing things that they were never commanded to do. And Paul writes about that in Corinthians, that, that those people, if they believe in Jesus, they may be saved, but their works will be burned up. Okay, you so you can forfeit. God's calling and God's gifting, and therefore your reward. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Like, you know, now chronological, they're going through the Old Testament. You get to the point where, where God tells Saul to do something, King Saul to do something. And he thinks, well, I know better than God. I'm going to do this instead. And as obedience is better than sacrifice. And he loses his kingdom. He loses all his rewards. Because if, if we do other things than what God says, then you know what? That's, that's just rebellion. And that's what it was with Saul. I know better than you, God. I'm going to do what I want, what I think is right, instead of what you are asking me to do. Why do you think Jesus says in John that he only did what his father told him or showed him to do. That's Jesus. He didn't, ah, okay, I'm going to do it. He only did what his father showed him or told him to do. But like I say, we got to choose to do that because he's love and love doesn't, he's not a bully. He doesn't, not going to force us to do it. 
then we wouldn't be his children, we'd be his slaves, we'd be his robots. And he is love, and he's not a bully, so he asks us, he woos us. He's like the father of the prodigal son waiting for us to do it. And that's the only valuable rewards that there, there are. Everything else is rebellion. But he has a wonderful plan for each of us that he made before you were born just for you. And if people don't get in doing their plan, we're missing that. And all the giftings that can see people come to Christ and grow in Christ, we don't have all of those if everybody doesn't use what he gave specifically for you. That's why we have that on the wall over there. Plans, I mean, good plans. And like he says, you know, you, you'll, you'll stand before kings. You know, I, I share these things not because, you know, I'm saying, oh, man, you know, look at me or something like that. But like I say, the only gifting I had, and, um, you know, he shared the other week that the, the first gifting in the Bible was God brings an artisan to Moses and says, I've gifted this man to do, to, um, do the artwork. And so that is, you know, um, the first gifting. And when they go to fivefold ministry and so on, pastor, teacher, those are, like he said, the 10% to equip the 90% to go out and do their gifting. Yeah? And that's what, you know, we're here for. And my job is to see everybody here, when you get be stand before God, hear well done. That's my goal. That's what I want to hear. And, and um, my job is to pray for you, too. And I don't know if there's anybody else. You know, you can, you know, really great preachers on, on YouTube. But is there, are they praying specifically for you? I am. You know, what is your gifting so you can fulfill, so you can hear well done? And so, yeah, you know, I said, yeah, I see a lot of your giftings. Are you, you, you know, you're going to start using them for the Lord. And I've seen people who have asked me, what, what do you think? Or started going, and I see them growing in the Lord too. As you use your giftings, you find things just start to blossom. You know, like, like Brian is, uh, I was saying, Brian, I'm not like you because he's just fixing up the, the house we have up there on the property for the for the. Uh, the Marai um, Village housing project we have, and I saying, wow, you're so gifted in figuring out how to put things together, do these. He says, no, I didn't have those giftings, but as he, God was putting on his heart to serve in that way, and he started walking in that way, I thought, wow, you, you know, you had all those. He says, no, they developed as he started walking in that. And I don't have all the giftings. God never meant it to be that way. I, you know, I can't do that. I've got too many other things that I'm doing in, in my gifting. And we need that. Or even like the adopt the park thing we have over there. The county is asking for help because, you know, we've got so many parks now. Everybody wants to build a park when they're mayor. But we don't have enough maintenance money or workers now. <clears throat> so they're in disrepair. You know, you know how much money it costs just to take care of the two pools? But if every church took care of one park in their neighborhood, parks would be maintained 
and we would be valuable to the community. You know, like they say, if your church was gone tomorrow, would the community notice? Would they care? See? But you might think that's a small thing, a small thing to start. But if the Lord is leading you, you follow that calling. And you're going to see, like you said, you stand before kings. You just do what he says, no matter how small in the beginning. He says, do that. And then the giftings start developing. You know, like Brian's saying, that the giftings that he has, he's building stuff. Now they're going to weld, make a gate, fix the sewer line, do all this stuff like that. You know, I thought, oh, you knew how to do that. No. Uh, YouTube <laughs> and doing it. But as we build more and more marais, you know how valuable all of that going to be? And you're going to see things go. Yeah? Or, or Caroline being obedient to be on the worship team. And she didn't play the guitar before. Now she's playing the guitar so much on Sunday. And play the guitar and sing. I can't do that so fast. No way. To play and sing? Man, that's a gifting. Right? And as she keeps on walking, you will see that all blossom. Yeah. As we do what God says. So that's why I say my main gifting was a puzzle piece putter togetherer. Yeah, this was nothing. And, and why I started writing books is because I wasn't gifted in all those other things. The other founders of our ministry, Aloha Keokua, uh, Kavika Kahiapo, Leon Siu, Everybody wanted a piece of them. They were too busy. But now I'm so busy. We need other pieces. See? And so that's why I did the research. And all he said was write letters to the pastors. Because no, nobody, in fact, I just taught um, Wycliffe, for Wycliffe, there's, you know, for these college, Bible college seminary graduates who now are wondering, you know, are, are seeking, do I want to go into Bible translation? So they have an orientation school for them to, to do that, and they always ask me to teach in it. See what I mean? You know, this is the, you know, the head for Wycliffe International. When he, he, he comes to Hawaii, he always wants me to teach in it. See? Starting with a puzzle piece, put her together, Last year, it had the uh, Moody Bible College uh, School, Moody Bible International. They, they came, and the guy tells, writes my other friend who's head of Moody over here, the international leader. He says, that's the man that taught me everything I know about cross-cultural missions. Now, these seminary graduates had none of what I taught them. And, and the leaders of YWAM, the largest mission organization in the world, they asked me to teach them. How did I start? Just being obedient, writing, because nobody under, no, no churches knew anything about Hawaiian history. And as I started writing, giving it, sending it to pastors, they wouldn't listen to me. <laughs> Who am I? And you get rejection, and you get hardship, and all that. But, if you, but you cannot stop, because you know it's God. And it, like you said the other way, it just feels so good, because you're in His presence. When you're in His will... You're in his presence, and he, he just, you just know it, and you just can't stop. It feels so good in that sense. And then it, it just kept, I didn't know there would be chapters of a book, and he's so gracious, because if he told me, you're going to write a book, I would say, oh, that's too much, I can't do it. I didn't have enough faith yet at that time. 
Yeah, four books later. I, I'm not a musician, but I produced three CDs, <laughs> music CDs. I'm not a, a producer or a filmmaker, everything. But we produced two um, award-winning films. And um, I co-produced another one and was a culture advisor on another one around the, the world. That's how it, it started. And I'll say like those giftings that people have, you just start walking in them and the, the universe bends to fulfill it. You'll see all these things, people giving me puzzle pieces from all over the world as a puzzle piece putter together. <laughs> That's it. That's it. And you guys got so much more giftings than, than me. But look, when I say, you know, um, my job is to, so that you hear well done. I want to read to you, you know, like what he was referring to first. And then I want to read to you another scripture. Okay, what, what he was saying about the giftings, right? What we do for him, we have to choose. And why we don't, why we don't want to choose it? Because a lot of times it's hard at first. But he knows. He knows what we need. And it's always good. Just trust him. That's, we build the faith little by little. Okay. So what he was referring to is in 1 Corinthians 3 and um, uh, verse 11, it says, No one can lay any other foundation than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. We don't get to heaven on our works. It's a free gift of grace by Jesus Christ alone. Okay? But, you know, uh, what good is a house foundation if that's all there is? He expects us to build upon that. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. And what is the work that has value? What he's asked us to do. Everything else is, I know better than you, God. It's like Saul. Difference between good works and God, like I say, a God thing or a good thing. Did God ask you to do that? Yeah? So, reveal the kind of work each worker has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. Man, you know, God says we'll receive rewards. It's going to be good and it'll be eternal. People I know, like I said, I know five people now who, who died for a while and came back. The only reason they came back was because God asked them to. They didn't want to come back. But because it was so wonderful, they can't describe it in any words. Nothing gets close to how wonderful that is. And you're going to have eternal rewards there? But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved. Yeah, you'll be saved. But like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. And so, you know, you'll, you'll be there basically naked and with nothing. 
And like he shared the other week, the whole Old Testament, the, the, that part of the law was, he said, you, he'll sum it up in one sentence. You don't come before God without an offering, without a gift. And so you'll, you'll be there before him naked with nothing. No whole kupu, no omeyage, no gift to, to give to the King of kings and Lord of lords that we didn't do. So, okay, what is, oh boy, we'll get to communion too. So, okay, one more parable I want to read to you that Jesus gave, Matthew 25, 14. The parable of the three servants. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of uh, silver. Well, that's, you know, it was talents in the Greek, but um, in the New Living Translation, it says silver. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities that he had given them, right? He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money, hid the gifts he gave him. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And that's what we all want to hear and my goal for all of you to hear. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful handling and in faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid. I would not, I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. Why was he wicked and lazy? He was afraid. What's the opposite of faith? Fear. Who gives us the spirit of fear? God? What does the Bible say? God does not give us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. So who does that come from? Who is he following? Who is he giving in to? Now, when it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it's that awe of power of God. That's different. He was afraid of God in the wrong way. So this fearful servant was called you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one who had, with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. 
but from those who do nothing. Even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now I don't know what, there's dispute about what the outer darkness is. But if he's going to be saved, like through a wall of fire, and Jesus is the light of the world, means he's really far away from Jesus. And because he had nothing, he, he appeared, he's saved, but he appears with nothing. And he expects us, because he gave us these gifts, that's how he, you know, to, to use, to do that. If we want to hear well done, then like he said, well then, um, we, when we appear before him, we should have done something with whatever he gave us, yeah? Whatever it was to do something. And you know what? People don't think when they read this scripture a lot, the first two guys doubled their master's money. Now, you, you, you know, you have someone come to me and tell me I, uh, there's a way I can guarantee my money and I'll show you a scam. They took a risk. They took a risk to step out and double their master's money. So we have to take a risk and step out in faith. He won't give us more than that first faith until the faith grows and grows and grows. Yeah, until we realize nothing is impossible to us in Christ. Isn't that where we want to be? Yeah. So use your giftings because you know what? What little gift he gave me, puzzle piece putter together, I've used it to the max. And so if you don't use your gift, guess what? I wish I had gifts as a musician. I'd love to, I would have loved to play the guitar. I wish I had a great voice. Guess what would happen in heaven? Huh? <laughs> if you don't use your gift for God. You're going to be sitting over there and I'm going to be playing. And I'll be singing. I'm going to play drums, bass. I'm going to play keyboard. I'm going to do all that. And you're going to be just oh, sitting over there. I wish I'd used it. Huh? Whatever your gift is, I have all those gifts of, you know. So, look, we're going to have communion. And I want to say this about communion, even though we're, we're you know, is, you know, the, like I said, communion in the, in the Middle East, they understood that. That's why it's not full, you know, it doesn't have to, but they don't have to explain it fully over there. Commun communion... Well, actually, it was a covenant, right? He said, this is the new covenant written in our blood. When you make a covenant in the Middle East, a covenant is an agreement between two people. Not one guy does everything. It's two people agreeing together or two groups. And covenants in the Middle East were blood covenants. Where sometimes they'd get the wine and cut each other, you know, their wrists and put the blood in with the wine and saying, we're one family. And I, I give, everything I have is yours, everything you have is mine. I'll they lay down my life for you, you lay down your life for me. That's the covenant that they knew. That was common, you go look it up. That's the common way they did covenants then. And Jesus was, was telling them, look, it's a written in my blood. I'm willing to lay my life down for you. We're co-heirs with Christ. Everything he has, we have. That's what he said. We're co-heirs. And everything we have is his. What do we have to give the king that has everything? Our sin. <laughs> and he took it all. He took it all. 
But he doesn't, he, he doesn't ask us to lay down our physical life for most of us, even though if he ever did, we get a reward, eternal reward. But to lay down our old life and be born again into his family, a new creation, that old life is dead and gone. We're not supposed to be dragging it along with us wherever we go. It's gone. It's dead. The more we leave it, the more we are his child and we'll see all these things, you know, uh, come to pass. So this is the covenant. You don't need to do this covenant to be saved. The sinner on the cross didn't do communion. You see? But this is a covenant. I will choose to lay down my old life, follow you and your plan. Be like Jesus. Follow after him. Where Paul says, follow after me as I follow after Jesus. He only did what his father told him or showed him while he was here as a man. So to saying, yep, I will um, agree to this covenant with you, Jesus. The no-brainer of the century. He takes all we have, all our sin, and we got everything he has. But the covenant is also says, I agree to lay down my life too. My old life. Yeah? And that's why he got the bread. You can tear, take off the top carefully because it's uh, got to have good fingers with these ones now. And then break it because that's what he said. This is my body broken for you. I already gave up my life for you. I did my part of my covenant. Yeah? And if you want to be in that covenant with him, we take the bread together. And again, it's not perfect and like what I shared last week, he just needs that opening for us. And um, like I said last week, when the Lord told me to forgive someone, and I saying, man, they hurt me so much, I, I just don't want to. Sorry, I know I'm supposed to. I know your word says to, but I just can't. I know not that I can. I just don't want to. That's the honest truth. When he asked me to forgive him, so I can fulfill the calling of God, I had to forgive. And then he said, are you willing to be, to be made willing to forgive? And I looked at my heart and I said, you know what, God, the truth is, I don't even want to be made willing to forgive. To be made willing to forgive. So he said, are you willing to be made willing to be made willing to forgive? Looked at my heart, no. Are you willing to be made willing to be made willing to be made willing to forgive? Mm, okay, God. That's all he needs because he won't go over us, our free will. And then he started working till I could, was willing to be willing to be willing, then willing to be willing, then willing, and then forgave. So I can fulfill the plan he had for me. I cannot be there with bitterness and unforgiveness in my heart. So that's all he's asking. If you're willing, then let's take this communion with him together. Communion, co-union, we're one with him. So as I pray, we'll have the worship team come up and do the, our final song. Father God, help us to have the faith to follow your plan, even though we don't understand it, even though it seems hard always good i'm always thankful that i followed your plan even though it was hard in the beginning because you are good and you want good for us 
And as we build that faith that you are good, you do love us, and you do have that plan, I want to do your will. I want to fall because I know you're good and I know you love me. And if it was hard, it was just getting rid of what would hinder your plan from happening in my life, in our lives. And it's going to be good. And the more we do that, the more faith we build, the more fear goes, and the more we say, yes, Lord, whatever you say, because I know you are good. And your goodness endures forever and is new every morning. Thank you for sharing, Pastor. That um, video was really...